Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. with this message today. It's Labor Day weekend. Most preachers all across America are preaching about work, preaching about Labor Day, preaching about margin, preaching about rest, and, and all these things that we come to, um, to expect from a Labor Day weekend sermon. But I really couldn't get away from this thought this morning, and uh, so I just let all that go. And, and by the way, let me say this. Work is not a curse, okay? And just let me say that. Us having to work is not part of the curse. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they were already to tend the garden and take care of the garden and work in the garden. The curse came after sin. The curse was simply now they get tired. They sweat. And, of course, there's labor and pains with the ladies giving birth to children. That's all part of, of the curse. But work is not a curse. So I hope and pray that we all, and I believe we do here at Victory. Man, there's a, I, I see what's going on out at the church property, and there's a group of people here, and I believe our church is a working church. And so I'm, I'm very thankful for that. So therefore, I don't have to come behind that and preach anything about how we should be working. We all certainly know that. But I want to share with you, and I want to speak on this subject, is there a hole in our gospel? Let me ask you the question. What are you laboring for? This being Labor Day weekend, what are you laboring for? What are you going to work for every, every day for? Most Americans are going to work and working more and more and more and more simply because they're selfish. And they're greedy. And they want to go to work more to get more money to get more stuff. Hello? Come on now, stay with me. Don't, don't check out already. I'm just getting started. I promise you it's not going to be too painful. Why do we go to work? What are we laboring for? I mean, think about it, really. Is this really all there is? Go to college, get a degree. Land a good job, make a lot of money, and enjoy your stuff. Oh, by the way, let's be sure we check the religious box. So therefore, when the altar call is given, I may walk forward and accept Christ. I may not even do that. I may just check the box on the connection card. I may just pray the prayer when the prayer is given. I want to be sure that box is checked. I got every other box checked in my life, so I got to make sure that box is checked. And I'll accept Christ, and I'll do my religious duty, and I'll go to church on Sunday morning. I may even get involved in a ministry, but not too much to the degree that it may hinder me in my selfish lifestyle of pleasing self and acquiring stuff. Really? Is that all there is? Really? 
Is that all there is to life? Really? I mean, it seems like we as Christian Americans that we have minimized this thing called the gospel and Christianity to simply check in a box, praying a little prayer, coming to church on Sunday morning, be sure to drop a check in the offering basket or give online, and, we've, and we're done. Guys, you know what, really, if, if that's all there is, and if that's all our church wants to be, I don't want to be a part of that. Really, I don't. There's more to living for Christ than simply just coming to church on Sunday, checking a little spiritual box, maybe getting involved in a little ministry, and then go about our business. I was in a conversation this week with an individual, and I asked about some other faiths and some other religions, and, and I said, did going to church on Sunday ever impact your life as a child or in your family growing up? They said, no. I asked that question about a dozen people this week. And most of them, with the exception of one or two, the majority of them said, no. It really made no difference whatsoever in how I lived my life on a daily basis. I, I still was living for self. And guys, you know what needs to happen in our life? And I realize I'm probably preaching to the choir this morning. I mean, here we are Labor Day weekend and you're in church. And, and I'm so thankful for that. But, but really, are we really just living for self? I mean, isn't there more to the cause of Christ than simply just checking a box? I mean, if it is, then really we have just minimized the gospel of Jesus Christ to a fire insurance policy. Whew! Man, I get out of hell. It's a get out of hell free card. I mean, it's free for us. Somebody paid the price. Jesus did, but whew! Man, I don't have to go to hell. And as long as we can keep that in perspective, and as long as we American Christian believers can go to church and just, whoo, man, I stayed out of hell. We think life is good. Really? Really? Is that all there is? You college kids that are going to college right now, really? Is that all there is in life, just going to college to get a degree so I can get a good job, so I can get stuff? Really? You see where I'm going with this? I believe we need to have a mission in life. And I believe the call of Christ and living for Him and serving Him is so much more than just checking a box, walking an aisle, coming to an altar, saying a sinner's prayer, dropping a tithe in the offering basket, and going to church on Sunday. But it seems like that's all we're all about. And I'm not necessarily talking about victory. I'm talking about Christianity in America in general. Just going through the motions. Just check the box. Is it really all about just saving people from hell? I would say that's very important. But is that all there is? And we call that evangelism. Let me ask you this question. Is evangelism really just all about saving people from a devil's hell and getting them prepared for the next life? 
It gets a little deeper. But I ask the question, really? Is that really all that Christianity is about? Just evangelism? Just sharing the gospel? Just persuading someone to pray this prayer, accept Christ as their Savior, check this box, be baptized, join the church, whoo, we're out of hell. Really, is that what it's all about? Preparing folks for the next life? I got a question. What about this life? What about the life that we're living right now? I'm reminded of what Jesus said in John 10 and 10. And he said, I have come so that they may have life and have it abundantly, even here on this earth. You see, Christianity and, and going to church and living for Christ, it's, it's really just not all about being prepared for the next life. Although I will say that's very, very important. But there's more. There has to be more than that. You see, a lot of times we think it, it really doesn't matter if people are poor. It doesn't matter if they're hungry. It doesn't matter if they're persecuted. Or perhaps it doesn't matter if they're rich. It doesn't matter, matter if they're greedy. It doesn't matter if they're arrogant. All that matters is that you check the box. And you accept Jesus as your Savior. And if that's really all that matters, now this may be a little challenging this morning, I don't know. But guys, really, if that's really all that matters, then I say that's pretty shallow living for the child of God. Because there's more. Now, don't misunderstand me. I am not undermining or I am not minimizing the importance of sharing the gospel and someone accepting Christ as their Savior. That is of the utmost importance. But, but really, that's where it begins. That's not where it ends. Right? I think we must be concerned. We must be sure that, that we're just not selling fire insurance. That we're just not giving away tickets to heaven. And once the tickets are validated, then boom, everything is okay. I think we've got a problem when we limit the kingdom of God to just fire insurance. If so, then I think there is a hole in our gospel. Richard Stern says this. Let me share a few thoughts that, that he shared in his book. I want you to listen to this. Focusing almost exclusively on the afterlife reduces the importance of what God expects of us in this life. This past couple of weeks, as we've been overworking on our building, and even prior to that, as the excavating work was starting, the trees are being knocked down, clearing of the land, I go by there all the time. And some months back, when we were just starting to clear the property, I was standing there by myself, and I was watching the dozers do their work, and they were kind of off across the area there, and I was standing there watching and all of a sudden, uh, a little boy runs up behind me. He said, hey, hey, what you doing? I said, well, we're clearing this property. Wow, wow, what are you building? We're building a church. Really? Yeah. He said, can I come to this church when it gets built? I said, why, sure. And I asked his name. He told me his name. And I asked a little bit more about him. And standing across the road were two or three other little kids that he was playing with. They were hollering out his name and 
They were saying, come on, come on. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he said, when this church is built, can I come to this church? And I said, sure, yeah, I'd love for you to come to this church. And then he paused and he stepped back and he said, this is the best I have. Can I come to church dressed like this? Because, and he went on to say, because some churches in this town don't want me to come to church dressed like this. I said, son, I don't care how you come to church. Hello? Victory? I am not going to get hung up on what you wear to church. That is so shallow. Good grief. Is anybody listening to me this morning? Hello? I believe in modesty. And I believe that's as far as the Bible goes with it. Hello? I am not going to get hung up on what you or anybody else wears to church. If you come in shorts and flip-flops, then that's you coming in shorts and flip-flops. If you come in a dress, ladies, that's you coming in a dress. But nobody is saying you have to wear this. You dress however you want to dress, just dress modest. That's all I will say about it. Hello? I told him, I said, you come any way you want to come. I don't care. Come any way you want to come. And he said, I live, I live right over there. And across the road from our church where we're building is that trailer court. And he said, I live right over there in that trailer court. And he said this, is it still okay if I come to your church? And I said, son, sure. You're more than what? Matter of fact, you can come on right now. You know where Moy School is? And I told him he knew where Moy I said, that's where we are. Come on. Some folks have asked me. And, and I, they, they've got wonderful intentions. I, I understand but some folks have asked me, Brother John, can't you wait till they get a, do away with that entire trailer court over there? And it, it really, when I hear that, it, there's a dagger that goes in my heart. You know, that's our mission field. It don't matter if they're living in a, a 500 square foot trailer or a 10,000 square foot mansion, house. We must realize that the gospel is not just about sharing the gospel so someone escapes hell it's also paying attention to the poor and the needy and the hungry and those that are sick and those that are suffering and being intentional in this life that we're living would you agree with that church Richard Stern says this. He says, The kingdom of God, which Christ said, is within you, Luke 17, 21. It was intended to change and challenge everything in our fallen world in the here and the now. It was not meant to be a way to leave the world, but a way to redeem the world. Guys, I want to share with you real quickly in Luke chapter 4 and verse 14. I'm, yeah, starting in verse number 14. Down through verse number 21. Take your Bibles there real quickly. I want you to see this. This, you could say, is Jesus' mission statement. And if this is the mission statement of our Lord, then it needs to be our mission statement as well. Then, then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, in verse 14. And news about Him spread throughout the entire vicinity. And He was teaching in their synagogues and being acclaimed by everyone. And He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up. And as usual, He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. 
and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. Now you'll find this reference back in Isaiah chapter 61, but Jesus says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, God, we need you this morning. And Father, we need you in our lives. And I just pray, Lord, as we unpack this scripture and as we look to see what your mission was here on this earth, God, help us to understand that. Give us ears that will hear. Give us eyes that will see. Give us a heart that will be obedient. And God, I pray, dear Lord, you help us to realize that life really just isn't about getting some fire insurance for the next. Salvation really isn't just all completely about escaping hell and going to heaven. Although that's very important, God, help us to realize that there's a job we're to be doing here. We're to be changing our communities. We're to be impacting society. We're to be reaching out to those that are sick and suffering. We're to be reaching out to those that are less fortunate. We're to reach out to those that are poor. God, we've got a tremendous task ahead of us. Father, all too often I think we depend on government to do what you have commanded us as believers to do. That's to take care of the down and the out, and the trodden, the sick, the suffering, the poor, the hungry, the lame. Unfortunately, God, I pray you'd help us to repent that we're so busy living our life that we seldom even slow down to acknowledge those that are hurting and suffering. God, give us a heart like yours. Give us a mind like yours. Help us, dear Jesus to understand what this mission is. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you write in your Bibles, but here would be a good spot to write out beside Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the mission of Jesus. Or Jesus' mission statement. I want you to look again, if you will, in verse number 18. He goes into the synagogue. They hand him the scroll. He opens up the scroll. He goes to verse number 18 which was written back in, in Isaiah chapter 61. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. He's given me authority. He's placed me here for this purpose. And look at his threefold ministry, if you will. This is just going to be an introduction to this topic. I'm, just going, I'm going to be relatively short. Matter of fact, I'm almost done, believe it or not. But I want to show you what the three parts of his mission statement are. Look what he says first of all. Part number one of his mission statement is proclamation of the good news. Look what he says in verse number 18. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me and he has anointed me to do what? Preach good news. Now a lot of times we stop right there and we think, yeehaw, yeah, we all need to be doing that. We need to be preaching the good news. We need to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice that the proclamation of the good news was first and foremost to who? Talk to me, church. The poor. 
Jesus is saying that the Spirit of God has anointed me. He has empowered me. He has given me authority to proclaim the good news of the gospel that He has prepared since the foundation of the world. And He says, I am to proclaim it to who? The poor. First and foremost, to the poor. There was an article that was printed back in December of 2008. Get this. The article went in great detail explaining this, but here's the gist of it. Anyone earning higher than $50,000 a year, get that, anyone who makes more than $50,000 a year has an income that is higher than 99% of the people of the world. Guys, you get that? I don't know where all of you are in your income. But I know there's a lot in this area that make a whole lot more than $50,000 a year. And you realize in the world's eyes you are extremely wealthy. But in our eyes we don't see that. Matter of fact, we see more and more and more and more stuff that we want to get for ourselves. And sometimes, you know what I think needs to happen? I really think, now listen, I'm not against stuff. It all has to be prioritized. But really, we need to look and, and see, what about the people that have nothing? What about those that are down and out? Jesus said, I am going to proclaim the good news of the gospel primarily to those poor. You see... Whenever we speak about proclaiming the good news of the gospel, we call that evangelism. And I believe that's very true. We're talking about evangelism. However, just proclaiming the good news of the gospel and getting someone to pray a prayer of repentance and accept Christ as their Savior and check a box on the connection card or walk an aisle and have a pastor pray with them, all that's well and good. But I want you to know that is not the entire gospel. It's a portion of it. But all too often we get hung up right there. Now it's important. Matter of fact, that's where everything begins. But guys, I just want you to know that is not the entire gospel message. First part of Jesus' mission statement. All I'm doing is introducing this to you. First part of his mission statement, number one, is to what? Proclaim the good news primarily to who? The poor. The second part of his mission statement is this. Look in Luke chapter 4 in verse number 18 once again. He says, he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives. Get this next part. And recovery of sight to the blind. That's number two. The second part of his mission statement, the second part of what he was going to do was not only preach the good news of the gospel to the poor, but also to recover the sight of the blind. Those that were sick, those that were maimed, those that were suffering. Matter of fact, back in the original text in Isaiah 61 and verse number 1, there's also a promise to bind up the brokenhearted when you go back and read Isaiah 61. So there's the binding up of the brokenhearted. There's the recovery of the sight for the blind. You see, I believe that this reference indicates that the good news includes compassion for the sick and the sorrowful and the suffering. 
Hello? There's a concern, not just for the spiritual condition, but also the physical condition of an individual. Guys, you understanding this? Are you getting this? Sometimes we as a church, we just think about the spiritual part of it and we just let people go on and live however they want to live and we take no thought whatsoever to the physical aspect of an individual's life. And we need to. And Jesus said, I have, I, have, I have come, I've been anointed to preach the good news to the poor but also to recover the sight of the blind. He had a, had a concern. Matter of fact, all through Jesus' ministry, you'll see where he healed the diseased and the lame. He showed empathy for the poor. He fed the hungry. He literally restored the sight to those that were, were blind. Jesus clearly cared about addressing the poverty and the disease and the human brokenness in tangible ways. You see where he ministered in those ways. The third part of his mission statement, not only proclamation of the good news to the poor, not only the recovery of sight for the blind, but thirdly, there was a commitment to justice. Look, if you will, in chapter 4 and verse number 18 once again. It says, He has sent me, underline this part, to proclaim freedom to the captives, to those that have been incarcerated, to those that have been in captivity, yes, spiritually, but also physically, and recovery of the sight of the blind, that's the second part of it, but then to set free the oppressed, those that have been impressed to set them free and get this, verse 19, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now you go back in the Old Testament, that's a clear reference to the year of Jubilee. The year of release. The year of freedom. And we see here that Jesus was concerned about anyone who had been a victim of injustice, whether it was political, whether it was social, or whether it was economical, Jesus was concerned about the injustices of his day. And guys, we need to be concerned about that. Hello? He had a commitment to justice. As a matter of fact, the proclamation in verse number 19 where he says about showing the year of the Lord's favor. As I've mentioned, that's a clear reference to the day or the year, I should say, of Jubilee. What took place in the year of Jubilee? There were several things that took place in the year of Jubilee. First of all, all slaves were set free. No one was in bondage any longer. They were completely set free. Another thing that happened on the year of Jubilee, all debts were forgiven. If there was a financial debt that you had towards someone that was richer than you that you went and borrowed money from, on the year of Jubilee, all debts were forgiven. What else happened? All land was returned to its original owners. You, you want me to tell you what was really taking place? In the Old Testament, in the year of Jubilee, this was God's way, get this church, understand this, this was God's way of protecting against the rich getting too rich and the poor getting too poor. Are you with me, guys? I realize this is... You know, th this puts accountability on us all. It's more than just going to church and singing songs and going to heaven and making a decision and checking a card and, hey, I'm out of hell. Woohoo! Everything's okay with me. Let everybody else defend for themselves. But I'm okay. That wasn't Jesus' mission. Guys, and, and we've got to be intentional about being more than that as a church and as believers and as the body of Christ. So here's my conclusion. 
I told you I'm almost done. I'm going to unpack more and more and more of this as, as the weeks progress. But here's what I think. Proclaiming the whole gospel, the entire gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, listen, means much more than evangelism in the hopes that people will hear and respond to the salvation message of Christ. It also encourages tangible compassion for those that are sick, for the poor, for the injustices that take place in our society. Get this, church. God is concerned about the spiritual and the physical dimensions in our lives. He's concerned about all of that. You understand that? He's concerned about the spiritual. He's concerned about the physical. And he's also concerned about the social. Here's my last statement. If this was Jesus' mission, then it needs to be my mission. If this was the mission of Jesus Christ, I think I've got a screen for it. If this was the mission of Jesus Christ, then it needs to be your mission, and it needs to be my mission, and it needs to be the mission of victory. So let me conclude with this. Where are we? Is this really, is this all we're really laboring for? Yes, a lot of the things we do is all helping us to share the gospel, but I think we must be sure that we are intentional to go a step further. Not only get people prepared for the next life, but also help them live this life in an abundant way. Right? And I realize that starts with the spiritual element. All counseling that I ever do, I take everybody back to the spiritual side of things and we rebuild from there up. I realize Christ has to be the center. I understand that. I think we all understand that. So we don't need anybody saying, oh, it's all about preaching Jesus. And that. I understand that. It is all about that. Initially. But there's more. We must also be concerned about the physical and the social elements people living in our world. Hello? Now, let's take that into the city of O'Fallon. Let's take that message. You see, that's what should be driving our, our, our servant evangelism. That's what should be driving all of our outreach. Yes, we want to share the gospel. Yes, we're concerned about the spiritual. But guys, there's so much more than that. We're also concerned about the physical needs of people. Jesus was. Matter of fact, Oh, I may get ahead of myself here. We just finished preaching about the millennial reign of Christ. You tell me, what's coming down out of heaven in the millennial reign of Christ? Remember I shared that. It's Christ, it's the new Jerusalem, new heaven. He's coming down for that millennial reign, right? And you know what's going to happen? There's going to be no sick. There's going to be no lame. There's going to be no injustices. In, 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 the, in the Lord's Prayer, when we say, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, you know what? In, in heaven, there are no sick. There are no lame. There's nobody suffering from poverty. There's no one going without. Guys, I'm just trying to make the point that at Victory, and you're going to hear more about this in the weeks to come because God's really breaking my heart over this subject. God's really breaking my heart over this subject. And I hope and pray he starts tugging around your heart.
Because, guys, there's got to be more to it. There's got to be more to it. There's got to be more to it than just checking a box, making a decision, and getting some fire insurance. There's got to be more to it. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I have wrestled so much with this message. Lord, over the last couple of months, Lord, you've been breaking my heart over this subject. And every time I drive by our church property and I see the trailer court across the street from us, my heart breaks for those individuals. I hope and pray we do not become a church turns our noses up at the poor and those that are struggling help us God to have a heartbeat like you help us to have a mission like Jesus did to proclaim the good news of the gospel to the poor help us reach them God help us reach them help us have compassion God I pray you break the heart of Victory Church help us Lord just not be concerned about the spiritual side of an individual only. Yes, Lord, that's very important. But there's so much more to evangelism. There's so much more to the Christian life. Help us be concerned about the physical needs of people around us. Help us, God, be concerned about those social needs. Help us care, Lord, about the injustices of our world. Not whether we're Republican or Democrat. That's the furthest thing from my mind. And I get really tired of hearing that stuff. Break our heart of that. Help us to be people that's filled with mercy and love and compassion and a humble spirit. God, we repent of arrogance prideful heart, a holier-than-thou attitude. Break us, God. Break us, Lord, of our condescending talk, our looking down our nose at people. God, break our hearts. Convict us. Help us, God, to repent of such spirits. Fill us, Lord, with your love, mercy, compassion. For those that are sick, for the poor and the needy, those that are suffering, those that are sorrowful. Help us, God, get our eyes off ourselves. Help us, Lord, get our eyes on our community. Help us, God, be your hands and your feet. Lord, help us change our community help us reach our community not by just pressing people to make a decision for you but by serving them with a humble heart God there's several families in our church that have plenty of money to do a lot of things 
pray, Lord, you'd help. Help us, God, all to find a family we can invest in. Help us adopt someone, figuratively speaking, so that we can come alongside them and be sure their needs are met. Help us, God, to look outside the realm of self into a community that needs to see some compassion. God, help us not have the mindset of come to the church and bring your tithe and check the box and get saved and or then we never get involved in their lives. Help us to go forth into our community in a humble spirit ministering to the needs in our community. God, forgive us for relying on our government to do that. It's not their role. It's not their place. It's not biblical. God, we repent of that. Forgive us for depending upon our government to take care of the social needs of our people. You never intended it to be that way. But the church as a whole has gotten greedy. It's gotten selfish. It's become very self-centered, very self-sufficient. Where now we're no longer really facing a lot of persecution. We're not suffering. And unfortunately, we've created a coldness and hard-heartedness towards those that do suffer. God help us. Have your way in this invitation as we just have a time of reflection. If there are those that need to pray, I just pray, God, you, you deal with them. But help us to adopt the mission of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.